Welcome to the Premium Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription, and enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. I'm glad you guys came out this morning. Appreciate uh, all of you for taking your time and uh, uh, coming to hear the word of God. Uh, I learned many years ago, man, uh, how much I need uh, the preaching of God's word. And so I'm going to remove this jacket because I get hot uh, when I'm when I'm speaking. But uh, I learned I learned many years ago uh, the desperate need that I need uh, for the word of God in my life. And, um, you know, I grew up Catholic. I grew up, uh, in a Catholic home, Catholic background, Italian family. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, not a whole lot of preaching, uh, in the Catholic church. And, uh, and so when I first heard the preaching of God's word, uh, it really did change my life. And so this message that I want to preach this morning, uh, it's going to uh, hinge on our need for this. And uh, uh, I was reading a book. I love reading, uh, especially books that pertain to life uh, and truth and reality. And uh, having a military background, I read a lot of, uh, uh, you know, military-oriented books. And so one of my favorite ones, if you haven't read it, it's very good applies to anyone in life. It's uh, by Admiral William McRaven, and it's called Make Your Bed. How many have read that book before? Okay, we've had a couple here. It's a very good uh, book just about life and and, uh, things that we need that pertain to life. And uh, in the book, he was telling a story. And uh, this uh, man, he's a Navy SEAL officer. Uh, He uh, retired from the military. Now he does a lot of uh, uh, speaking and uh, uh, he does a lot of uh, work for corporations, helping uh, uh, corporations grow in, in different facets and things. And so, uh, but in the book, he talks about uh, one uh, of the uh, institutions that we can apply to our life happened to him on the midweek part of, uh, uh, of what the Navy SEALs call Hell Week during their BUDS training. And, uh, and so uh, what happened on that Wednesday is uh, a lot of times what they would do is that they would take the, uh, uh, the SEAL teams uh, down to this midway point between uh, Coronado Island and Tijuana, and it's called the Mud Flats. And what they would do with these, uh, uh, these men, so again, these are men that are being deprived of sleep. These are men that are being uh, put through arduous tasks and difficulties in life, is uh, they would take them to this place and they would command them to get into this, uh, this mud. Now, this mud wasn't just any mud. It would literally consume your whole body. And uh, he described it as being like in uh, freezing cold cement. And, uh, and so here it is. They tell all these boys to get in there. They're screaming. They're yelling at them, uh, instructors. And then there was uh, uh, an offer that went out and said, listen, we can all leave this place right now if five people quit. And so, you know, here's uh, probably 40 to maybe 60 candidates are sitting there in this, uh, in this muddy environment. They're cold. They're tired. 
it's late at night, it's dark out, and they're, you know, uh, uh, just thinking how miserable this circumstance is. And uh, uh, if only five people quit, man, this can be over right now. And so as time went on, they realized, you know, this is going to go till the breaking of day. It's nighttime. There's eight hours still left of night that they're going to have to endure and to go through in uh, this arduous task. And, and you can f- he said you could feel the environment of, uh, 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 you know, what they were sitting in. You could feel the, the, uh, the emotions. You could feel uh, the attitudes of the people, everyone around you. No one was saying anyone, but everyone was thinking it. Uh, you know what? It's not worth it. Just give up. And uh, here it is, these voices of these instructors are yelling at them, let's just five, if just five just quit, uh, you know, this can all be over right now, and j- you know what, it's not worth it, and give up, and you're, you, you know, you're sorry, piece of whatever anyway, right? And, uh, and so here it is, the, these vo- and then he said one thing happened that changed the entire environment of this scenario. And he said one of the men amongst them that was sitting in that mud just began to sing a song of hope. And he said that that, that one voice, that one song of hope, it, it almost emitted light amongst all of them. There was like this, this uprising. I mean, he said it was very faint voice. It was raspy. It was out of tune. <laughs> But it was speaking words of hope. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, the instructors caught on and they heard the voice. They said, you shut up. You know, you and, and all of a sudden, another man would start singing that same song. And they, they'd get, the instructors would get louder. And then another man would start singing that song. And before you know it, uh, the entire Buds class is sitting there. And they're singing and they're, they're encouraging one another. And this voice is uh, beginning to sound out that said, you know what, you can make it. You can get through this. And I thought of that because in life, how many know that we need that type of voice in our life? And the text that we're about to read in the book of Luke chapter 3, we're going to see that God places a voice in our life many times for the purpose of when we're going through things, when life seems dismal, when uh, we're crooked or when we're giving up in hope and in life and in circumstances, uh, that that voice is always there to tell us, you know what, you can make it. It's not that bad. We're going to get through this. And I want to minister a sermon I've uh, uh, titled Our Need for Preaching out of Luke 3, verse 3. It says, and he, this is John the Baptist, he went into all the region around the Jordan And he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written, the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God, our need for preaching. And so I want to consider this because we all know about John the Baptist. We know the story. Here's a man uh, 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 eating locust and honey, but that wasn't his ministry. Here's a man, he's wearing camel skin. He's very odd looking to most people, but that wasn't his ministry. The Bible says that his entire purpose, the entire reason why this man was born, his purpose was to be a voice 
to a generation and to a people that needed a voice in that dark and that dismal time of life. And the truth is in life is that life is going to involve voices. And I want you to think about this because it's going to involve many voices in our lives. We see this in the beginning. If you've ever read your Bible, no doubt you've read the creation of mankind, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and then even into Genesis 3. This is the creation and the fall of mankind. And here it is that God made everything. And the Bible says that it was by the voice of God that God created these things. He spoke them into existence. Here it is, the power of God's word. Let there be light, and there was light. And then God said, uh, let there be heavens and, and firmaments and waters beneath. And, right? and, and so God's beginning to speak these things into existence. Uh, God speaks and he breathes into mankind life. And so here it is, this element of, of the power of a voice uh, to bring life. But can I tell you, in that garden, in all that God created, there was not just one voice. There was another voice. The Bible says, and the serpent said to the woman... <laughs> How many have read that part? Genesis chapter 3. And here it is that another voice uh, spoke out in the midst of all of this perfection, in the midst of where there is a good voice that's bringing about good things, uh, in the midst of uh, where life is wonderful and things are going smoothly, there's a voice that begins to speak, uh, and it begins to speak things that want to bring a violation or want to divert the things and the plans that God has for my life and the things and the plans that God has for your life. And the truth is, is that even today, if you think about this, there are more voices than ever that are a constant part of our lives. Think of it. I love technology. I can walk into an Apple store, and I can be busy for hours. You know, you're just looking at all the gadgets and things. You go to Best Buy, right? I mean, how many guys here? Be honest, be honest. You love, you love trinkets. You love technology. Come on. All right, we got five. All right. And so, right, there's something about it. It just works. I, I, you know, I, I think about my house. I have a lot of those, uh, you know, little uh, uh, Alexa switches. And so I, I love being able to control things and just say, and just speak it and it does it, right? And so it's wonderful. You just tell Alexa, turn off, uh, you know, uh, the, the kitchen light. It turns it off. Yeah. And it's something about that, that using your voice and being able to think, manipulate things and make things happen. So think about that. But that that's, that's what technology is all about today. It's all about voices and manipulation. And so today we have voices that are constantly, I mean, how many, how many homes have, have a voice that's on all the time? It's called the television. You know, if you walk into my dad's house right now, I guarantee there's two televisions on. And it's only one person living in that house. It's like, <laughs> you really need to, well, I might be watching this or I might be watching that, you know, I don't, but it's, you know, something about it that there's always a voice uh, that's going on. We have uh, not, not, we don't even have to be in our home. We can be in our car, wherever we're at. Uh, and most people have a smartphone and on there, there's going to be apps, uh, social media, different thing, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, all of those involves videos or short skits. Uh, and these are going to have voices, things that are being spoken. And uh, to you as a person, we have music, we have movies, the list goes on of voices that are a part of our life. And I want you to think about this very quickly because all of these facets and all of these things, these voices aren't dialoguing with you. 
They're not there to have a conversation. These voices are there to preach at you. See, preaching is very different than that of having a conversation. Preaching is something that's spoken that you can't speak back to. It's either you continue to listen and you accept what is being said or you turn it off and you say, I'm not going to accept what is being said. And this is the day and the hour that we're living in today. And think about this. Every voice has a spirit. The Bible shows us this in John chapter 6, verse 63. It says, this is the words of Jesus. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Listen, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So if Jesus speaks words that are spirit and are life, then this also tells us that there are words that are out there that are spirit and are also death. And so here it is, this element of life that we must identify and we must know and, and we must really hone in is that voices are going to be a really important part of the direction of your life. The things that you give your ears to, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch or accept and, you, and, and begin to filter through the sense of hearing are going to affect the direction of your life. Now one truth and we see this even in the life of Adam and Eve, is that the voices that we listen to are going to set our lives into a certain direction. Listen to what Genesis 3.17 says. Then to Adam, he said, because, listen, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Now, I'm not blaming women here this morning. But there is an element that we have to understand that God says, because you heeded the voice, because you listened to that voice, Something is now beginning to direct you. You're going to go in a certain direction in life. And this is what God says. Uh, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat. Listen, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And so think of this. The hearing of that voice propelled Adam's life. And not only that, all that would come after, after him into a certain direction. And so voices will determine the direction of our lives. I want you to think about this very quickly. Here it is. These people, McRaven, he's telling this story as they're sitting there in the mud and there's voices that are being spoken. Now, if you know anything, some of you may have seen the Discovery Channel uh, uh, special that they did on uh, a Bud's class years ago. I think this was back in like 2000, uh, 2008. Uh, and uh, uh, you watch uh, a lot, many times these instructors, uh, they're out there and they have a bullhorn because they have a large mass and there's people. And so what they'll do is through that bullhorn, they'll begin to shout uh, certain things at these men. And usually these are derogatory these are, these are dismal. These are things to bring them down because it's trying to see if you can overcome the mental capacity, if you can overcome, because every one of us, even inside of us, we have a voice, something that's speaking, something that's saying something. 
in our life. And so here it is. They're trying to see if these men can overcome this element of, of negative voices, negative things that are coming out. And so imagine this. They're sitting in this mud. They're up to their neck. Uh, they're freezing cold. They're, I mean, they're shaking. They're literally, minds are going, how much longer must I endure this? Uh, and voices are just crying at them, just give up. It's not worth it. Uh, stop. Uh, you know, you don't have to go through this anymore. You can just uh, give it all up. You can just sell out. And these voices are, are beginning to affect the way that they feel. It's beginning to affect the direction of their decisions, what they want to do. It's beginning to affect how comfortable they are. You know what McRaven said? He said, as soon as that voice began to cry out in song of encouragement amongst him, he said, all of a sudden you felt a little bit warmer. He said, all of a sudden you felt uh, this kind of glimpse of hope that, you know what, this isn't that bad. I, I don't, you, you felt a little bit less pain in your joints. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we see this in the life of Paul and Silas. The Bible says that they were in prison. It was at midnight. It was a dark time. You know, midnight's that's the darkest point of the day. I mean, you know, it's one thing to be in jail and you, you know, got a little sun coming through the bars out. You know, it's like, okay. But it's midnight. And they're in jail. They've been doing the things that God has commanded them. Everything's right. It's dark. It's dismal. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about, you know, jails present. We're talking about Bible jails. We're talking about when people live by candlelight. <laughs> right? So it's dark. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. Listen to what it says. And the pr prisoners were listening to them. I wonder what those prisoners heard. Think of that. Here, here, here are men that, that are they're, they're in the midst of darkness. They made bad decisions in their life. They're, they're, I, I mean, you know, you, you, ever, you ever been there? You ever been there where you just, made, you just messed up your life so bad you just feel like you're bound in chains? You feel like you're, you're just broken. There's no hope. You'll never get out of that debt. Right? You're, you, you, the marriage is never going to overcome this. I mean, it's, we've gone too far. Divorce is the only answer at this point. Right? You just, life is just, it's, it's dark, man. And that's what these men, these men, their decisions, where they've been, and there's voices, there's something that's saying to them, you know what, this is the end of life for you. But all of a sudden, Paul... Silas, something inside them says, you know what? We need to be a voice for God. And they begin to sing. I don't know what they sing. You know, I, I, I don't I, you know. You know, I, I mean, I think about it, you know, in songs, we, 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 we're so blessed to have the words here. You know, it's like I, I can't remember Christian songs to save my life. You know, I, I wonder if they missed some of the words. I wonder if they were off key. You know, <laughs> they didn't have instruments, background. They didn't have that ambiance and lighting, but they're just singing, man. And all of a sudden, here it is, these prisoners, the Bible says they start listening to him. And I wonder if in those words they heard, you know what? God can turn this around. These chains can break from your life. And see, there's a voice that wants to be truthful to you and I. Because life, as I said, it can become pretty crooked. You know, as we read in our text, we're reading about John the Baptist. In verse 5, it, it, it makes a statement. It says that the, the, the crooked places, the crooked places. How many of you could say, you know what, my life's been crooked at times? <laughs> it's like, you know that word crooked, it comes from the Greek word skolios. How many knows what that kind of sounds like, skolios? 
Anybody here? I want to ask this because I want to pray for you. How many? How many have scoliosis? Your back, your spine. That's a that's a that's a, a doctor term. That your spine is a little bit twisted. Anybody here? You have scoliosis. Okay, God's going to heal you today. Amen. So he says that the crooked places will be made straight, and that's that's where it comes from. And he's talking about this is the purpose of John the Baptist, the voice crying out the, in in the wilderness uh, that the crooked places could be made straight. It means curved winding or literally perverse. And so think about this. This is what, uh, this is what the Bible is referring to, that the time that uh, when Jesus and John the Baptist came, this was what the world was like. This is what the world is like without the Word of God. Many have heard, and maybe you haven't, but if you study theology from the time of Malachi, he was considered the last prophet of the Old Testament until the time of Jesus, that God's voice had gone silent. This is called or referred to as a Maccabean period in the Bible. This is a period of time where there was a lot of wars and a restoring of the kingdom of Israel. But they said that the voice of God, there were no prophets, there were no people to speak on behalf of God in this time. So we're talking about hundreds of years that, that separated from the last prophet, Malachi. If you read your Bible, there's 66 books. So the last one of the Old Testament, the 39th book, you'll, re, you'll, you'll read Malachi. And then you go to the next one. It's the first one of the New Testament. It's Matthew. And at between that time, there was no voice. And so think about this, how crooked the world was at that time, that here it is that God's going to prepare the way. He sends John the Baptist to now be a voice in that generation, in that time. Now, I know I'm getting a little bit maybe political here this morning, but I believe our world's a little crooked today. I mean, you have to make a documentary called What is a Woman? You have to make that. You have to ask people that question. Can you define a woman? What is a woman? Well, a woman might be. No, no, no. That's, that's very crooked. Way of thinking. I, I, anybody ever watch that? You watch Matt Walsh's "What Is a Woman?" He 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 did this documentary. He went to a tribe in Africa and asked them, "What is a woman?" Here's people that they live amongst you know mud huts and things, and 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 he goes, uh, "Well, could a could a woman have you know?" And he talks about a man's uh, a private part, and, and they just began to laugh amongst themselves. You know, they're like, you know, this. What are you talking about? And then he asked them, do you want to come live in America? They said, not if it's like that. <laughs> right? Not, not, if, not if, that, if things are that confusing. But think about that. Here it is. That things can get very crooked without the word of God. And the truth is, uh, is that I've seen crookedness in my own life, and I'm willing to believe that many of you have seen this yourself. I've seen crookedness in my character. You know, before I got saved <laughs> uh it's a very deceptive husband it's a very deceptive father not much of my life was involved in my daughter's life as a matter of fact i was talking to a woman yesterday we were, we were out evangelizing and she's like uh you know i i asked her i said do you you know do you believe in god and she says yeah and i said well how would you say your relationship with is with him and she says well i don't really think of him very often and I go, okay. I go, ma'am, do you have children? And she goes, yeah, I, I, I have children. And I said, I said, could you imagine, could you ever imagine never, never speaking to, 
never being involved in your children's life. And she goes, that's terrifying. That's a horrible thought. And I said, could God feel that way about you? She said, I never thought of it that way. You know, think of that, that, that without God involved in our life, how, how, how far we go from the things of God, without hearing God's voice in our life, without thinking on or meditating on God's word, how, how much that can change our character. I told her the reason why, you know, my children are the way that they are today is because I've been involved in their life and they've seen the change that God has brought in mine. And I said, you know what, with God being involved, in, with God not being involved in our life, that's going to change our character. Our marriages can end up very crooked, selfish, greedy, lustful, all jacked up, man. Relationships. The, you know, I, before I got saved, my, 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 my work ethic was very crooked. You know, you, you, you know military, you're supposed to be dot every, but I was one of those rebels. I remember one, one time I grew, my, I grew my sideburns down past my earlobe on purpose. I was hoping that someone would come up to me and say something. Just this kind of, you know, bring it on mentality in life. I was kind of rebellious. My finances were very crooked because I lived a life that was very covetous, very greedy, wanted everything now. But our text tells us that God has a voice. And when he speaks through his word, he speaks to people to bring that crookedness to make it straight. As I said, John the Baptist, his whole point, it wasn't to be this weird, locust-eating dude. It wasn't to wear camel skin and to freak people out, but it was to speak on behalf of God, to preach his word and be a voice that would prepare the way of God's work in our lives. You know, the first time I came into church was in the year of 2003, 20 years ago. And I went into this little building. It was actually up in Norfolk, Virginia. It was a little, at that time, it used to be, <laughs> used to be a strip club, and they turned it into a church. How I many you know God can redeem things? That's the power of God, man. And it had, uh, it had uh, uh, a gravel parking lot, very, very foreign to me because I grew up in a Catholic church. And I went in there, and I was, uh, you know, I, things looked a little bit strange. But as soon as I heard the preaching of God's word, it, it felt like I was alone in this room. And it was like God was showing me the crookedness of my marriage, the crookedness of my life, the crookedness. And he was saying, you know what, Rocky, life doesn't have to be like this. I can straighten these things of your life out. And, and, and all of a sudden, something welled up inside of me. All of a sudden, there was this hope for my marriage that seemed like it was at its end. There was this hope in my finances. There was this hope in who I was as a person. James 1.23 says that if we hear God's word and we do it, that there's a transformation that happens. We don't have to look in the mirror at the same thing over and over again, but there's a literal transformation that begins to happen. And so I want to close this morning with our need for preaching. Our text tells us why the voice of God is so important. One is, verse 5, every valley shall be filled. How many of you ever come into church and you felt like you were in a valley? Valleys are dark, man. (laughs) 
You know, valleys is the sun can't peak over. It's a, it's a little bit cooler over there. I mean, it's a, you know dismal. Sometimes you feel alone. We use that term valleys of life uh, to just describe it, an emptiness, a, 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 a you know a somber feeling that uh, things are quiet, can't hear very well. Right? You feel distant from everything else. And so think about this. Uh, sometimes he says, "Every valley shall be filled." When the voice of God is spoken, when the word of God is preached. Uh, that we can come in in that valley experience of life and all of a sudden God begins to bring us back up. All of a sudden that ground begins to sift uh, and shift and all of a sudden we're being lifted up uh, by the voice of God saying, you know what, uh, it's really not that bad. You know what? It's uh, There is hope for your marriage. There is hope for the things of your life. Uh, you know, in verse 5 it also makes another statement that every mountain shall be brought low. <laughs> How many have ever come in a, thinking, man, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread? I've been there too. There's been times I've come in, you know, thinking, man, I, yeah, I'm the best husband there ever was. All of a sudden, the word of God is preached. I remember this one time we, <laughs> we, were, having, we were at this marriage sermon, and the pastor had uh, all the women sit down in a chair and had all the men stand b- behind them with blindfolds on. And he asked him, what color dress is she wearing? I, thank God I didn't get called up there because I was sitting in the chair in the back. But I was thinking, what color? <laughs> I looked over at my wife. Oh, blue. Okay. <laughs> I would have got that wrong. But, right, you come in and you think, man, I got my eyes dotted, my T's crossed. And all of a sudden, God begins to level you down and say, hey, listen, there's some things you need to correct here. There's some things that God get, begins to point out at you and your character and who you are as a person. And sometimes those mountain experiences, we need to be brought lower in life. And this is the purpose of the Word of God for you and I. And the truth is, is that you and I need the preaching of God's Word more than we think. I, I know that this week we're going to have some sermons. It seems like, man, I got work. I got all of these different things that I have to partake of, I have to do. And listen, all of those things are going to involve voices. Some of those are going to be a part of life. Some of those are going to, you know, that, that, that's, that's how you make a living. That's how you, you know, you got your children and family and bills and all of these other things that are going on. And, and yeah, we have our free time and hobbies and whatever. But all of these voices. But can I tell you, there's a, there's a desperate need for us to make time to hear the preaching of God's word, to hear that voice crying out that wants to bring crooked places straight, that wants to fill our valleys, that wants to bring our mountains lower in life, that wants to begin to apply to our life. I was reading this article. I close with this. And uh, this, uh, this British article was called The Glass Window. This man he put out there, uh, published this letter, and he made this statement. I'm going to read it. It says, uh, It seems like ministers and preachers feel that their sermons are very important. They spend a lot of time writing and preparing their messages to begin to deliver those to people. He says, I've been attending church quite regularly for 30 years. He says, I've probably heard more than 3,000 different sermons in my life. To my consternation, he says, as I think, I I discovered I cannot remember a single sermon. I wonder 
if a minister's time might be more profitable spent on something else. So this is what this man writes. He's trying to think. I've heard 3,000 sermons. I don't think I can remember. I could verbatim one of those. So maybe it's not. And so he got this flood of different letters, people responding probably some, I agree, that's why I don't go to church, and some, you know, this, and, and some upset, and whatever. But the best, this is the best response that this man got, and I close with this. He says, I've been married for 30 years. During that time, I have eaten 32,850 meals. Most of those were made by my wife. Suddenly, I've discovered I cannot remember a single menu item of anything that she has ever made. And yet I have the distinct impression that without those meals, I would have starved to death a long time ago. I receive nourishment from every single one of those meals that has made me the man I am today. Could it be those sermons that have made you the man that you are today? I want you to think about that this morning because the desperate need, the man that I am, can I tell you something this morning? The man that I am today has everything to do with the preaching of God's Word that has been applied over my life over the many years. I can't tell you the first sermon I heard when I gave my life to Christ. I can't verbatim most of those. Some I I do remember distinctly, impressions and sermons. But I, I can tell you this. The man that I am today, the husband that I am today, the father that I am today, is all because there was a voice And that voice involved this word that I hold on this pulpit right here that spoke into my heart and said, you know what, Rocky? You don't have to be the way you are. I can change your life. You can make it through this. And God can help you. Let's bow our heads to pray.